right in the middle of a series. Uh, it's a series based on someone else's series. The guy's name is Andy Stanley. Uh, you may have heard of him. He, uh, he did a series a while back called Starting Point. And I listened to it a number of times. There were certain things that uh, really uh, hit me that I felt, you know, we need to talk about as a, as a, as a church here at Kingswood. And when I say we need to talk about, that doesn't mean that I'm going to talk about it and then you just kind of go home after and that's it. It was this idea that, that things that we talked about here would just challenge you to, you know, go home and say, ah, I got I to gotta, I gotta look more into this. And, you know, that's been happening over the weeks as we've, as we've talked about some different things. But the, the whole idea behind this was to, to think about the foundation of faith. Where did it start for you? Every one of us had a starting point somewhere. Every, uh, every one of us had this, what we believe about God or what we don't believe about God. That started somewhere. And so a lot of us, it happened as kids. Um, you know, we were taught things about God. And then as we, as we got older and lived some life and went through some experiences, you know, a lot of that got challenged. And so a lot, um, what we've done uh, often is we've built kind of our foundation on, on some questions, but we've b- built it on the wrong questions. And those questions, for instance, you know, if we built our faith on, you know, is God good? You know, well, you can grow up and say, well, I heard God was good, but then I got older. I'm like, ah, but there's so much bad stuff that happens. Or maybe you're taught, you know, God will be, you know, God will reward you if you behave and he'll punish you if you do bad. And then you grow up and you, you know bad people that just are like, they're, they're, they're richer than you. Their marriage seems better than yours. You know, they got more stuff than you. And you're like, and then there's you. You know, I kept all the rules and it's just not working for me. And you begin to think, huh, I don't know if there is a God. You know, maybe you, you built, you know, your faith on, on um, you know, the stories, you know, that you were told as a kid, but it never, never grew up from there. It never, it never got to the place where, you know, it, it was... Um, it was more than stories. And so you look back and, you know, an atheist may come and challenge you on your thoughts. You know, scientifically, Noah's flood, not possible. And you're like, oh, well, I don't, man, well, now I don't know. And, you know, if Adam and Eve weren't real, well, now I don't know. And we, we said, you know, the, the questions that, you, that, that um, you are not the foundation questions, they're not ones, you know, did, did, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons or, you know, did the flood really happen or, you know, how, if God answers prayer, how come he doesn't answer mine? Those aren't the ones you want to build your foundation on because if those get rocked, everything falls. Um, it, what you need to do is build a foundation on questions, a different set of questions and, and, and adult questions. You know, things where we start at, at this point in our life and say, okay, let's ask some, ask some questions. And uh, this, this, this whole series, it's not one where you can just take one part. You want to have all of, all of it. They're all blocks in, in building that foundation. Um, and part of it is, part of it, especially if you've been around church, is that sometimes we need a little bit of a perspective shift. We've seen something and we think we know what it is, but not until we see it from a different light do we, do we maybe find out what it's really supposed to be about. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, uh, last year, the end of last year, we went on a cruise with our whole family, went down to this country called Belize because they had cave tubing down there. We thought that's going to be awesome. So we got on this bus and traveled for an hour. And they said, as we were traveling on this bus, they said, we're going to come across this thing called Sleeping Giant Mountain. And so as we're driving, they point out Sleeping Giant Mountain. And we're like, well, that just looks like a whole bunch of hills. You know, as, we, as we're going along the way, like, I don't, know what, I don't know what they're talking about. But then after a little while, we got, had come around some different corners and we saw it from this perspective. And we were like, oh, well, there's his nose and there's his chin and he's lay, laying out there. I'm like, I see it now. 
It was always Sleeping Giant Mountain. I just couldn't see it for what it really was until we had gotten to that place. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning, that as we look at some of these things, they always were. But a lot of times we haven't looked at them from the right perspective, so we haven't seen them the way we should. Some of the questions we've challenged you to ask yourself are these. Who do you say that Jesus is? It doesn't matter what your mom told you, what your Sunday school teacher told you, what, the, what you think the Bible told you or whatever, and you're just like, ah, that's kind of what it says. Who do you really think he is? Talked to the young guy last night after the service. He said, you know, I was raised in church my whole life. And he says, I, just did, I, I wasn't sure that I knew that he was even real. Who is Jesus to you? Why do I even need a Savior? We talked about that week number two. You know, are we just mistakers? Have we just made some mistakes in our life? Or is it more than that? You know, we talked about where did the Christian faith start? And where do we go from there? And what's the purpose of all the rules? Because for some of you, you're like, ugh, I just hate all the rules. You know, and, and, and that's all it's ever been. We talked about all of that. And you can listen to that uh, on some of the other things. But my challenge to you today is if you're here and you, you had, you know, you've grown up in church, but it's not a, a, affecting your everyday life right now, you might need to restart. You know, if you, if you are here this morning, you're like, you know, I didn't go to church as a kid. You know, I'm just kind of trying to find out some things in my life, and I'm here to look. This is a, a great opportunity for you to start or restart life uh, in, in, a, in a whole different way. And for some of you here, like, man, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Why are we talking about all this basic stuff? Let's get deep. Let's get deep into the Word. For you, I would encourage you to pay real close attention because for you, this is training. This is that idea of there's people in my life that I know at my job, you know, in my family that have questions. They're like, you know what? I don't get this whole church thing. I don't get this whole religion thing. And they're going to have questions that you'll have answers for. Rethink your foundation. Restart your faith. And I want to talk about this morning about this. What about it? Before we get there, uh, I want to talk about some dirty things first. Uh, you know, there's a uh, this, this right here. We've seen dirty dishes before. Maybe you haven't seen it like this. This is my job at home. This is not my house, but um, this is my, my, one of my chores at home. Take out the garbage and do the dishes. Uh, and, you know, how do you, how do you get stuff like this clean? Well, we've invented something. It's called soap, right? So we, we, can, we can clean dirty dishes. And then there's um, dirty um, vehicles uh, that, uh, you know, we, we've, we've figured out how to, um, how to clean dirty vehicles. You know, where do you take your vehicle when it's dirty? car wash, right? Or, you know, so we figured out how to clean dirty vehicles. And then, you know, dirty kids, you know, the, they, they get into to everything. We found things that clean even this, you know, paint thinner uh, works on children uh, uh, for this purpose. So, you know, we, but we figured out things that can clean up the messes on the outside. And as some of you, you see that and you smile and you smirk and like, yeah, that's kind of funny. You think about some of those things in your life where, you know, yeah, I remember, man, yeah, I remember doing some of that stuff. Where we got, I remember, you know, burying my car in the middle of a field somewhere in the middle of the night and, you know, can't get it. And, and you, you can think about those things. You're like, yeah, th those are pretty funny things. But, but what about when it's inside? See, we get to that place and it's, it's, it's difficult to think about how do we clean the inside? And that's what I want to challenge you with is this thought this morning. What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my sin? When you think about that, I, I'd want to suggest that every single one of us has had that thought at some point in our lives, whether you're religious or not, and whether you call it that or not, you've had this thought of, what do I do with what's inside? And you may call it something different. You may just call it, we're just going to call it it. Because maybe you're like, what can wash away my embarrassment, my pain? Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. But you, you've got a name for it. You, it it's just, we just don't know what it, um, it is for everyone. But this idea of how do I wash it away? 
So you may, um, you may call it a different name, but I have three thoughts for you this morning about it. It's there. It is there in each and every one of our lives. And maybe you prayed as a child. Maybe your parents taught you as a child. You got to pray and ask God to forgive you for your sins. Maybe you learned the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's this idea of, you know, if I do something wrong, I need to pray for forgiveness. And, you know, it kind of worked, right? Because as a kid, you did stuff like little kid stuff, right? You, you went into your sister's room when you weren't supposed to. And like, gal, you better pray and ask God for forgiveness. Or you stole a quarter from mom's purse. And like, oh, you better pray and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, or maybe you lied about both of those things. And now you had to pray, like, you ask for forgiveness for the sin and lying about the sin. And so you're like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness. And it kind of worked as a kid. But now when you get to be an adult, it's like those little things, they're just not little anymore. Those little sins that, you know, that it's, it's not the same thing. And, and you know, it's not even a religious thing. Even if you're not religious, it's one of those things where you look back and go, yeah, it's that, it's that, uh, those things I wish, I just really hope people never ask me about. You know, I hope people never ask me about, my, like, my first marriage, right? I just don't want to talk about it. You know, maybe it's like college. You know, they're asking you, hey, you know, about college. And all you want to say is, I went. And that's all I want to talk. That's all I want to say about it. You know, maybe it was that one weekend away that yeah, that stuff happened on that weekend. You're like, ah, oh, I just don't want to talk about it. Maybe it's that one guy you dated, that one girl you dated. Maybe it's that thing that happened with that money that went missing. Maybe it's that thing with your boss that you're just like, ugh, it. Maybe it's the stuff you saw online. Who knows what it is for you? But we got this thing, this, this it, that we're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's there. It's there. It's crazy the stuff that we can forget and the stuff that we can't. You know, there's things that we should remember, like our spouse's birthday or our anniversary, and, and we forget that. You know, and in a few minutes, people will be arriving here because they forgot to change their clocks, and I'm so jealous of them, right? But uh, the, the, we'll forget things. It's just, it's just what we do. And then there's some things that we just can't forget. We try, but we can't. It's that, that it. You know, and sometimes we, we joke about the stuff that we did when we were young and dumb. It's like you think, man, we were stupid. But it's funny now, right? You're like, can't believe that I, you know, I rode on the front of a car while somebody was driving. I slid off and like burned off my, you know, the palms of my hands and my waist. And, you know, they'd make jokes about having to have like um, skin grafts from somebody's butt. And I'm like, what is these weird things? That's a true story. These things that happen, you're like, wow. You, know, you laugh about it. And it's like, whatever. But then there's things that you can talk about that, that you know, they're never going to be funny. There's these things that we have, these it's back here. It just, it just doesn't matter. There's, it's never, no matter how much time goes past, it's just not going to be funny. It kind of follows you. You don't think about it all the time, but every once in a while, just it comes back up. It's like that dark cloud that just, it's, it's there. And you're like, ugh, I, I don't want to think about it. But if I have to, I want to acknowledge that it's there. Second thought this morning is that we've tried to wash it away. Because no matter what you call it, no matter what it is, if it's shame, pain, guilt, you call it a mistake, maybe you call it sin, it's there. And we wish there was something that could wash that away. But what can wash away? 
my sin. What can wash it away? We've tried. As a kid, my parents even tried to wash away my sin. You know, there's, uh, if we said dirty words or bad words, I know, I know, it's hard to believe, but I, I used to drop a few, you know, S-bombs and whatever. And my parents, you know, that when we were kids, they would take the soap dispenser and be like, you want to speak dirty? We're going to wash him out that with soap, you know? And they put a little squirt in there. And it's like, oh, it's just disgusting. And, you know, it didn't work. It was fun for them to watch us blow bubbles, but it didn't, it didn't work, right? It didn't clean things up. But uh, I know, creative parenting. But, but uh, they tried, and it didn't work. But you know, as we grow up, we try. We try and do things to, to forgive ourselves. We've, we get this feeling like this it kind of defines us a little bit. And we're like, ah, I, I don't want to be that person. So maybe if there's some things that I can do, maybe if I could forgive myself for it, then I'm not going to think about it anymore. Maybe if I can find a way to kind of pay myself back for doing that, maybe if I do something that makes up for it, I'm not going to feel it. I'm not going to have to think about it anymore. And we try and medicate that stuff away. And some of you have done different things to medicate it. I don't want to think about it. So you drink. And for a while, you don't have to think about it. For some of you, it's this, you know, the the thought of um, you moved. You're like, you know, I can't be around this town. I can't be around this place. So I'm moving to get away from it. The problem is that wherever you go, there you are, and eventually it follows you there. For some of you, you know, you work harder, just stay busy. You work way too hard because you just don't want to think about it. For some of you, it's, you know, you're going to give more, or you're going to serve somewhere, or try and do something to make up for it. For some of you, you're having a baby, you know, because you're trying to make up for it. And it's this thing that we know it's there and we try and do things to wash it away. And for some, you said, you know what? I can't medicate it away, so I'm just going to ignore it. You know, if I ignore it, then it will just go away. If I don't think about it long enough, it will eventually disappear. And you, you, you kind of have this thought, we're just going to bury it in the sea of humanity. I'm just human. I'm not perfect, but neither are you. So you know what? If you're not perfect, then why should I have to be? Yeah, and then we started, we started to think about some of those things, you know, justify it back then. You look, you know, well, ah, I, was, I was young, you know, or when, the, when it happened, or I was drunk, or, you know, I was lonely, or I was broke. Like, what did you expect me to do? I just didn't know. It was a mistake. And we just want to kind of throw it off as, it really wasn't that big of a deal. And yet, and yet, we talked about this in week two, if we have a mistake that just keeps happening and happening and happening, we make a mistake for five years, you can't do that. And pretty soon you start thinking, oh, maybe I got to call it what it really is, and that's sin, but then I own it. Then it's mine, and I don't want it. I don't want the dark cloud. And, and for some, you've decided that, you know what? Yeah, that was it, and that's kind of behind me, and I don't want to be that person anymore. So I've learned how to be better going forward. So as long as I'm going this way and doing better things, I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to deal with it. And so, you know, Reebok has a commercial out where they start out with these guys flipping tires. Maybe you've seen it. They're like working out like crazy. I was going to demonstrate it for you, but I pulled my back yesterday, so I, I can't. But they just do these superhuman uh, things that are just pretty impressive. But the whole thing of it is, you know, let's be better. Be better parents. Be better leaders. Be better humans. Because we can be better. And it's the same idea of just trying to, trying to medicate, trying to fix, trying to change it. For some of you, you joined a support group to stop some behavior 
back there and change that behavior of what used to be it. For some, you're going to church. You're here this morning as like, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to be better going forward uh, and, and turn over it. For some of you involved confession, it was this idea of saying, you know, I had to tell somebody. And maybe you did that weekly. Sat in a little booth and you said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. It's been a week since my last confession. And you, you try and pass it into the next room. And for some, you've tried them all. Tried them all. How do I get rid of it? Dr. Phil, I've never quote him, but I will today. Would ask you, how's it working for you? How's it working for you? It works for a while, doesn't it? It does. It, it works. You can. Some of these things will make that cloud go away. Some of you sit here and you've told me, say, hey, you know when I'm at Kingsway, I just feel so much better, and, and then I got to go back to my real life. And while you're here, it feels good. But, you know, it's like, it's medicating, but it's waiting right outside the door when you leave. You know, and it, it works for a while, but then, you know, all of a sudden you, you sober up and then you remember, you know, or you see that person. You're like, oh man, you know, I thought I would never see her, see him again, and it brings it back up. Maybe it's a place, maybe it's a website, maybe it's a name, maybe it's the preacher this morning at the front, and you're like, oh, I didn't want to think about that, and thanks. I came early, and now I'm depressed. Don't check out mentally right here, right now. I just want to, to, to just put some thoughts behind that this morning that it exists in all of our lives, so you're in good company. But the other thought is that you've tried to get rid of and tried to deal with it. But, it, but the thing is, nothing, nothing that you do or don't do going forward ever makes up for what you did or doesn't erase what you did or didn't do in your past. See, we got this thought of if I can just do better, do better, do better. Yeah, it's better for now, but it doesn't erase it. The good news this morning is that there is something that can wash away it. There is a solution that can wash away shame, pain, guilt. And for some this morning, you've been sitting in church your whole life and you've just never caught on to this. You've never seen this perspective. And I want, you to, I want to challenge you with that this morning. There's a solution for it. And it's not a simple answer. Because we're adults. Some of you here are like, Mark, don't tell me just some simple thing because, you know, that's what I heard when I was a kid. You know, back when you were a kid, it was like you broke into your sister's room and did stuff there you shouldn't. Now you've broken into someone else's room and done stuff there that you shouldn't. Back then it was like you stole a quarter. Now you've stolen so much through, you know, whatever, cheating on your taxes or at work or you owe so much you can't even make enough to pay that off. Maybe back then it was like you lied to your parents and now you feel like I'm just living a lie. And it's bigger. And it's like this, it's a big thought. And I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to put that down at all this morning, but I want to challenge you with an equally large thought, an equally enormous thought that maybe, maybe we have to think about. And that's this. Every single religion, every single faith tradition, every single holy book, every single group that, that gets together with an idea of God has a solution for this dilemma. They all have something that you can do uh, or change so that you can, you can deal with it. But Christianity, faith in Jesus Christ, is the only one where a person came and said, I'm the solution. I don't have anything for you to do. I'm the solution. And I think that's something that this morning we need to think about. If a person offers themselves as a solution, 
that's kind of a, that's kind of a pretty big deal. And what does that mean for us? So the, the, I just want you in your Bibles, go to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's from the New Testament, a little bit um, past. John is a disciple of Jesus. He's the one who was an eyewitness. He um, writes the story in John chapter 1. He writes this account of another John, John the Baptist. And it's not because he wasn't John the Anglican. He was John the guy who was baptizing people in, in, uh, in the Jordan River. And the, the people, this whole idea of baptism, it was like a, uh, when people wanted to join another faith or, or, or join something in that day, they'd have to go through a ceremonial cleansing first. It's kind of like you took a shower before you came to church this morning which I hope you did, right? So there's this idea of, I'm going to do something because I'm going there. And so people would say, okay, if you're going to join this, you got to go be cleansed. John did something different because people that were, um, were coming to him, he was baptizing them himself. And they're like, this is crazy. We've never seen this before. People don't do that. And, and so John was um, baptizing the, um, people. And it says in Mark chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but in, uh, in verse 5, it says, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, they went out to see and hear John. And uh, it says, when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. It says, all of Judea, um, including um, um, all the people of Jerusalem. And I know that that's got to be an exaggeration. You know, like all of Jerusalem didn't, like not every single person went out there. But it's kind of this thought, the same idea as, you know, when your kids say, hey, mom and dad, everybody's going to be at the party. And you're like, ah, yeah, I don't think Stephen Harper's going to your party, right? And I'm pretty sure your mom's not going to be like, I know, but everybody's going to be there. Like, there's going to be so many people there, it feels like everybody's there. And why is that important? Because this wasn't some little event that just happened by the river where there was maybe, you know, a dozen people. The idea was that it looked like hundreds and thousands in the crowd. was like, it looked like everyone is there. And John, he's a real guy. Uh, it's not just if you read the Bible, you're like, Mark, this fine, it's in the Bible. I, I don't know if I believe the Bible. There's a historian named Josephus who was not a follower of Jesus Christ. And his writings from that same time period, he talked about a man called John the Dipper who uh, dressed in these weird clothes. Yeah, I know he didn't call him baptizer. He wasn't religious. He called him the John the Dipper who was killed, uh, murdered by hair. And he talks about the same, this same John who um, existed. So it's not, it's not like a, a story. It's something that actually happened. In John chapter 1, John writes about it this way. He says, Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him. So the Pharisees went out to find out. And what they were asking him is, Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's been promised? And he said, uh, he had told them, No, I'm not him. And so they said, If you aren't the Messiah, or Elijah, or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize. He says, You know what? There's somebody right here that we don't know who he is, but he's coming. We're going to know who this Messiah is. I'm just not him. And though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. And this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. He just said, listen, I'm not the guy that you're looking for, but there is one who you're waiting for, and you're going to know who he is. We just don't know who he is yet, but he's right here somewhere. He's somewhere right here. And then it says in in verse 29, the very next day. So after John had said, hey, listen, you know, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Savior. I'm not the guy that that you're looking for. But he's here. The very next day, John sees Jesus coming toward him. He says, look. He stops everything and he says, look. People are lined up to be baptized. He's like, hold on, sir, just one second. Look. And they all, he says, you know what? You all came looking for me because that's what the Bible talks about. They all came looking for John. He's like, but listen, don't look to me. 
He says, look, look right here. I want you to see something. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they're all looking for a sheep, right? They're like, where? You know, it's, because it, like, they don't think about it. I'm like, we don't talk like that. We don't point out and be like, hey, look, there's the jackrabbit, you know, or look, there's, it's like, look, the lamb. What, what, what are you talking about? And the, the, the Bible um, in English translated, look, the lamb of God. But that of, that word's not there. It's basically saying, look at the God lamb. Look at the lamb that God has sent um, to us. And he, he stops him. He says something. It's, it's so interesting, you know, that, that most of them probably missed what he was saying. But we definitely miss it in our culture. We don't understand this idea of looking for, for a lamb. We don't, we don't really think about that. Um, but what they would have thought, what they would have understood is that lambs were a big part of, of their everyday uh, and of their everyday life and their spiritual life. Last week we talked about a guy named Moses. Moses, one who led the people out of Egypt. Remember, you know, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. But they do end up getting out of Egypt. And uh, for 1,500 years after they left Egypt, they had been sacrificing lambs to cover their sins. That was the, the, the whole idea. And they were smart people. They, they knew that, you know, the blood of a, of a lamb didn't equal the sin of a human, but they realized that God had said, somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to die for sin, and it can either be you or the lamb. They're like, we choose the lamb, right? So if you'll accept the lamb, we'll do that. But they knew that, it, they knew that that didn't add up. And so for 1,500 years, though, they've been doing this. They've been killing lambs to cover sins, realizing that it doesn't pay for it, but at least God's okay with it for now, and we'll, and we'll be okay. And they trusted God that he would accept the lamb in, in their place. And so Jesus, he didn't disagree with John. When John said, hey, here's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world, he didn't disagree with them. He, he, uh, he actually, you know, agreed and left little hints all the way along um, as he was teaching of who he was and why he was there. When John described him as the Lamb, he said, you know, uh, this is who it is. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm the solution. And, and for some of us, we're like, well, that's, uh, that's pretty big words to say. You know, if you start thinking about that. If somebody comes and says, you know what, I'm God, it's something we need to think about. Because is, is this guy insane? You know, is he just completely disillusioned? Is he lying? Or maybe we need to pay attention to him. We think nobody says they're God. Well, maybe some, that's things that, that Kanye, you know, would say, Kanye West would say. But, you know, he's like, Jesus didn't come across with the same bravado, this same, I'm so amazing, this same, everybody, hey, check me out. He was humble. And yet, even in his humility, he said things that you just can't ignore. Things like this. He said to, to a bunch in John chapter 14, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father. Nobody gets to God unless it's through me. And they're like, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty big. In, in John chapter 10, he's talking where he says, you know, he says, I and the Father, we're one. God and I, we're, we're the same. And people that there said, what? You, you're, you're a mere man and you're claiming to be God, this, this just does, it doesn't work. He forgave people their sins. We know the stories. And it wasn't the little sins either. It was like the adulterers, you know, the grand theft guy, the murderer. He forgave those sins. And they're like, only God for, can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? And he dropped all these, these hints right up to the last moment. The Last Supper is something that, you know, you've all seen maybe the painting of and you've heard of the Last Supper. And some of you think, well, of course, it's, it was just his Last Supper before he died. You know, if it, it could have been a whatever, it was just a supper. 
but it wasn't. The Bible talks about this specific supper as being something much more than just happened to be the last one that he had. See, when he sat down with the disciples that day, he was actually celebrating something with them that they had been celebrating for 1,500 years. You know what it was? It was the story 1,500 years earlier when Moses had led the people out of Egypt. God had said to them that night, he said, listen, I want you to kill a lamb, and I want you to take the blood, because they had killed lambs before. They knew what that was all about. He said, I want you to take the blood, and I want you to do something different today. I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it over top of your door. And then I want you to take the, some more of that blood, and I want you to put it on the sides of your door. And like, what, God? This is strange. This is like, this is like borderline creepy. The neighbors aren't going to want to come over if there's blood all over my doorpost. And he's like, listen, I want you to do this. So he puts, they, they do, they're obedient. And that night it says the angel of death comes through, the, through all of Egypt, and, and the firstborn child in every household dies, except for the ones that had the blood on the door. Because it says when the angel got to that place, he passed over that door and passed over that house because of the blood that was there. And, and so they called this dinner Passover. And so the very next year, he, um, as they left Egypt, God um, said through them, through Moses, saying, listen, Next year, at this specific time, I want you to sit down. I want you guys to kill a lamb. I want you to sit down, and I want you to have uh, um, wine. I want you to have some bread, and I want, you to think about, I want you to think about what I did for you. I want you to think about how I rescued you out of Egypt. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And then the next year, yeah, do it again. And the next year, yeah, do it again. So for 1,500 years, they've been having this same dinner over and over and over again. And this is where Jesus sits down with them and he has this dinner. And then at the end of this meal, he says something so offensive that people, his disciples should have stoned him right there. If they, had, if they were followers of their own law, they should have stoned him for, for blasphemy. They should have at the very least left and said, listen, we're done with you. Because he stood up and he says, he said he took the bread and he broke and he says, you know what? He says, we've been celebrating this dinner for 1,500 years. He says, from now on, I want you to think about me when you eat this dinner. And they're like, what? No, no, you can't change. You're changing it all? We're supposed to think about God setting us free from Egypt. He's like, no, what you're supposed to think about is me. And for you in this, in this day and age, it would be like this. It'd be like me saying, hey, you know what, Canada Day? It's a great celebration, guys. I love that you've been throwing this big party. But from now on, I want you to celebrate my birthday on this day right? So keep doing all the stuff you're doing, but from now on it means me. So when you're flying all the red flags, I want you to write the name Mark Vanderweer on it, which one of the kids did last night for us. So that's pretty sweet. And, and I want you to give gifts and send them to me because from now on, Canada Day is all about Mark. And you'd be like, you can't do that. You can't change the holiday. You can't, you can't make this something that big all about you. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did with them. He's saying, listen, what you always thought it was, not anymore. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. And his disciples are like, they're stunned. And they're looking at him like, wow. Like, he says the craziest things. But he heals people and he raises the dead. So I'm sticking with him. And then a couple hours later, he gets arrested and they all leave him. They all lose faith. But John writes this account in John chapter 19. It says that during the crucifixion, he's, he, he, adds this one line into, into that thought. He says, while Jesus was being crucified, it says the, the guards came to break his legs. So that's what they would do with crucifixion. If you Google crucifixion, people don't, um, the way people die, it's a horrible death as they're hanging up on these nails. Uh, they've got a nail between their feet. They're hanging there. And it's difficult to breathe. So as they're hanging there, they push themselves up on that nail. Take a breath. 
and hang. Push themselves up on that nail, take a breath and hang. Until they can't, they can't have the strength to do it anymore. They can't pull themselves up to take a breath and they suffocate. That was the whole, the whole um, uh, torturous deal behind this. And if, it, if they just took too long, the soldiers would come and break their legs. But it says in John chapter 19, by the time they got to Jesus, they didn't break his legs because he had already died. He had bled to death. And you think about this and think, you know, why does it matter? But if you think about the whole um, thought and the prophecies and everything they talked about, it said, here's the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the lamb whose blood will take away the sins of the whole world. Sins the whole world. And this idea of taking away the sin, that, that word meant lift up and carry off. See, all they knew before is that the lamb covered my sin. It just put something over top of it so that God didn't see it anymore. But it was still there. It was still there. Don't miss this thought this morning. Because Jesus came, and when John said, I came to lift up and to carry off. Whatever it is, I came to lift it off, put it on me, and carry it off myself. And what is it? The sins of the whole world. It wasn't just the sins of the disciples. It wasn't just the sins of Jewish people. It was Canadian sins. It was those dirty Dutch sins. It was those British sins. You know, it was, it was Arab sins. It was your sins. It was my sins that he came to lift up and carry off. 20 years later, Paul, he wrote this story, or he wrote to this group of people, and he wrote this thought, you know, when Paul thought about what it meant to him, what this idea of the cross and what the idea meant to him, he said this in Colossians chapter 2, he says, you were, then, you were dead because of your sins. You were dead inside. He was a dark cloud inside. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But it says, then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record. He canceled the debt. He canceled the thing that you feel like you owe. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away. He picked it up and he carried it off by nailing it to the cross. So when you ask the question, what can wash away my sin? What can wash it? away. If you ask Paul that day, he'd say, listen, it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. A murderer telling you that. Peter, Matthew, Mark, any of these guys, what could wash away my sin? They're going to say, nothing. Nothing could wash it away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The good news this morning for each of us is this. You don't need to try and forgive yourself. You've already been forgiven. You don't need to try and do something like every other religion, or maybe you've tried to do something to get rid of it. The thing this morning that I want to challenge you with is you can decide, you know, to try and deal with it and carry that around for the rest of your life. My challenge to you this morning is you don't have to do something to get rid of it, but you need to trust someone to get rid of it. I'm asking you this morning not, not, to, uh, not to do and what, maybe what you have always done, not to just, hey, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to try and, you know, be better and miss out on what it was really all about. Abraham, he was given right standing with God because he trusted him. That's all it was. He said he believed God, he trusted God, and it's the same for us. Just one act of trusting him can deal with it. John chapter 3, 16, so famous, some, so, so well known, but it said this, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, this is how God loved you. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who trusts in him, 
will not perish but have eternal life. Trust in him. What does that mean? Trusting in what he said and trusting in what he did. And I'll leave you with this thought. What about the memories? Because, you know what, for some it's like, yeah, you know, I've tried to do better. I've tried to do all this stuff, but, but it's still here. How does this deal with it? How does this deal with those memories? How does trusting Jesus deal with these memories? And this is it. If you can look back at it, no matter what it is, you can look back and feel like, man, I failed. Man, I'm guilty. Man, I'm condemned. You know, the, it's, it's looking back and seeing, you know, seeing your guilt, seeing your shame, seeing your pain, seeing your embarrassment. Or you can look back and in trusting Jesus, it's realizing, you know what? That's something that, yes, this is something that I did, but I want to think about what he did. Yes, I did it, but he picked it up and carried it away. So now when I look back at it, when I look back at whatever it is, I see his grace. I see his forgiveness. I see his incredible love. I don't have to think of it in that shameful way anymore. I can think of it as being what he has done for me, what he took me from, what he picked up, and what he carried off. So my question for you this morning is, what about you? Are you tired of trying to deal with it? Are you tired of having it spring back up in your life at any given moment and just bring that dark cloud? Are you tired of trying to be better, be better, be better, so hopefully I don't think about it? Are you tired of carrying around the load of guilt? Because this morning we're asking real questions for real adults. I'm not asking this morning to join a religion. I'm not asking you to join a church. What I'm asking you is, are you, are, are you able to trust Jesus? Are you able to acknowledge that it wasn't a mistake, but it was bigger than that? Are you able to acknowledge that that sin has separated you from God? Acknowledging that that, that was big enough that you even feel like you owe yourself, but you owe someone more than that. And are you able this morning to trust that nothing that you could do could wash it away, but to trust that what Jesus did almost 2,000 years ago has the power today to wash it away. And for some of you, like, I, I, I don't know, how do I, how do I cross that, that bridge? How do, I, how do I trust? Trust is something you do every single day. You just don't realize that you sat down in a chair today because you trusted it was going to hold you up. You didn't examine it and look. You didn't try and figure out, is this going to work? Didn't do the mathematical equations. You sat in it. This is kind of like, almost like blind faith in that. This morning, I'm not asking you to have blind faith in this. As we talk about some of these things, it's asking yourselves these questions to build that foundation that says, you know what? With all of what I know now, I can trust that he can take it away. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word, and Holy Spirit, thank you for doing what I can't. That this morning you would take uh, your word and make it personal in every heart. Because you know them by name here this morning, and you know exactly what they've gone through and what it is in their background and in their past. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring clarity to, to every heart for those who are searching for you, that, that you'd continue to reveal yourself to them. They'd find, they would find you. And for those here this morning who uh, just are on that edge of deciding whether to follow you or not. Uh, God, I pray this morning that, that that gift of faith on the inside, that gift of being able to trust you, that, that that would just become so evident in them that they can take that first step and just see, just see what it's like to live life with it lifted and carried off. Thank you for doing that for me, Jesus. I am so grateful to you. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for hope. 
And thanks for the chance to share it with our world. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.